All right, so let's turn our attention to our conversation for this hour. We're looking at the hate speech bill. Now, if you can remember, um, this bill was brought into place and introduced. It was in 2018, um, April, and it was to address the increasing number of incidents that involve hate crime and hate speech. And we know that often these crimes are motivated by prejudice and people have for a long time felt helpless about what they must do when they are victims of hate speech and hate crime. What is the recourse that they have? And this bill was a response to that, at least legislatively, to give people a way in which this can now not only be a civil matter, but it can also be a criminal matter. Let me invite onto the show Michael Swain, who is the executive director at the Freedom at Freedom of Religion South Africa. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Kathy, and thank you so much for having me on the show. Professor Pitikan Duli is a cultural activist and former anti-apartheid activist. Uh, Professor Nduli, good morning. Uh, good morning to you and to your listeners. And Terry Oakley-Smith is a diversity expert, also part of our conversation this morning. Terry, good morning. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to my co-panelists and to all your listeners. Mark, perhaps if I can kick it off with you, we've, as the South African public, long cried out about the need for a mechanism in as far as criminal prosecutions of hate speech and hate crime are concerned. This hate speech bill is a response to that. But it's interesting to see the submissions. I mean, we're talking over 10,000 submissions that have already been made um, before the NCOP as part of the, the public comments around this bill. Why do you think it is that how it has been um, enacted it has not landed well with people in this country? I, I think you meant Michael rather than Mark. Um, oh, yes, yes. Ap 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 apologies for that, Michael. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Michael, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no problem. No. Well, look, I, I think we have to start and take a, a step back and distinguish between hate crimes and hate speech. The hate crimes element of this bill is not being disputed. Effectively, what it does is it codifies uh, laws which have already, or cases which have already uh, come into play regarding sentencing specifically uh, around hate crime. So in other words, if you commit a crime and there's an obvious element of you know, hatred against some group that has motivated that crime, that typically comes into play during the sentencing and normally would lead to a heavier sentence. Um, and nobody has a problem with that. I, I think second to say is that when it comes to hate speech, obviously nobody believes that you should use speech to uh, advocate hatred against a group and incite violence or harm against them. Uh, nobody is, is pushing for that. But of course, it, it, it's a case of all legislation where you have definitions which are vague and broad and open. And as we often say, you know, the devil is in the detail and often the problem comes in the form of the unintended consequences of those definitions then becoming law. 
and then obviously being adjudicated typically by a magistrate in a lower court who, unless they have very clear direction, may well come up with arbitrary decisions. And just to say one more thing, when you talk about the uh, submissions that have been made uh, in opposition, they're actually far greater than you mentioned. When this bill was first introduced, um, which was a, a draft bill by the Department of Justice, who originally drafted it, over 70,000 submissions were made. And when that bill subsequently went to the National Assembly, which was in 2021, over 100,000 submissions were made. And in the last count on the uh, NCOP's uh, sub uh, opportunity to make submissions, which has closed on the 25th of May, which was last week, uh, over 70,000 submissions were made. So this is not just a few people raising their voices, expressing some concerns. This is a shout of a total of over literally a quarter of a million people. So it's something that we believe the government should take very seriously, because when you define hate speech broadly and you criminalize it, and that means in this instance, you can spend literally up to eight years in jail for something that you have said or expressed. That is a very serious limitation potentially on a, a fundamental democratic freedom, which is to express your views. Mm -hmm. There was a great deal of discussion in, in Parliament around um, the language and specifically the word hatred and how hatred, you know, can be something that is criminalized and how then within at least a criminal justice context, one would be able to look at the issue of, of hatred. Well, you know, fundamental flaw number one in the is in the definitions given in this bill. You know, you would think that in the prevention and combating of hate crimes and hate speech bill, the word hate or hatred would actually have a definition in the bill, but there is no definition given. And so therefore we don't actually know what hate or hatred means according to this bill. So you can imagine that, again, that brings a level of subjectivity to something which will criminalize and literally put you in jail if somebody decides that what you have said is either hateful or in, in somehow incites hatred. It, it's very concerning when bills don't have definitions because people simply don't know where they stand. And one of the most important principles of the law is that you must understand it and know where you stand before it. Otherwise, how do you know whether you're committing a crime or not? Yeah. How do the police know whether a crime's been committed? How do court, how does the magistrate know whether a court's been committed or not? And it opens a level of arbitrariness, which is obviously very concerning when you're talking about putting people in jail for significant lengths of time. And, and one of the dangers of that is that, of course, that anything could ultimately be labelled as hatred, depending on what the, the circumstance or, or, or context might be. And, and, and that also seemed to be one of the big issues. Uh, Professor Antuli, let me come to you and let's pick up then on, on this issue around, you know, matters that are not clearly defined. Is there a line between offensive language and hate speech? And again, this seems to be one of the other elements in the bill that is not clearly defined. So, yeah, I mean, when you deal with the issues of uh, uh, in the law, things have got to be clearly, uh, you know, defined, and there should be no, you know, loose ends or any, you know, slippages. But in this kind of a bill, when we say hate or, 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 or hatred, anybody could define it in any other way. Therefore. 
the whole bill would become, you know, kind of, uh, you know, very uh, uh, in a mute. And it is also very, very, uh, you know, important, particularly, you know, in South Africa, with a history of hatred uh, that, uh, you know, apartheid and racism had actually brought in about it, that we need to clearly, uh, uh, that the bill should be very clearly defined with no ambiguities, you know, that actually accompanied uh, it, or otherwise we're just going to have, uh, you know, endless, uh, you know, headaches and, uh, you know, legal, you uh, know, running for quite a very long time. Um, Professor Ntuli, I'm going to pick up with you in a moment. We just have a break that's coming up. Let's take a the quick break. We're back with the conversation, and then we'll also hear uh, from Terry Oakley-Smith. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. 23 after 10, we continue our conversation. We're looking at the hate crimes and hate speech bill um, that is now, of course, open for final rounds of, of public comment. Professor Pitikan Duli, uh, Michael Swain and Terry Oakley-Smith, part of this conversation. Professor Duli, you, you spoke about our history and the, the way in which hatred is part of where we come from. Is it because of our history that matters of what is considered freedom of speech versus offensive language, that things become a lot more heated, you know, around those conversations? Yeah, no, definitely it is. But you also remember that uh, there was also a very big, uh, you know, media thing about, uh, 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 you know, freedom songs. The, that people consider freedom songs you mm. know, to be, you know, kind of a hate, uh, 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 you know, speech. It's very, very important that with us in South Africa, as, as I've said, in particular, we need to be very circumspect when we deal uh, with issues such as, uh, you know, this. Uh, it's also happening also at a time when we we speak nation building, we speak, you know, social cohesion. All of those things are things that are meant to limit, you know, you know, hatred and to do these things, but we are not actually implementing them in a manner that is, uh, you know, very well either informed and very, uh, you know, sensitive, you know. So it is very, very important that, that we should ask ourselves this question. How can such many intelligent people who voted into parliament put a bill where they cannot define the very central, that word central, mm. hate in South Africa and in law is of particular importance. So we need, therefore, to uh, edge, you know, uh, you know, government and people to, uh, you know, get more involved, you know, in this. But what is also worse for me is that, okay, there are 10,000 people, there are 70,000 people who are objecting. And what about some of the ordinary people who are not actually educated, whose lives are going to be impacted upon uh, upon this? Therefore, it is very important that mm. much thinking and rethinking and double thinking, you know, should actually be practiced uh, by our legislators. Uh, Terry, it brings us back to the issue of language. What one person may find as offensive, depending on where you have grown up, how you have been socialized, 
may not be considered offensive between another person. And this bill really is supposed to set out a clear line between offensive language and freedom of speech. You know, Kathy, I mean, obviously, I, I agree with Professor Ntuli and Michael Swain about the importance of the definitions in the bill. But I mean, to me, it's completely appalling that almost 30 years after we've had a so-called democracy, that we don't have a hate speech and hate crimes bill. Mm. I mean, I, I'm constantly dealing with, uh, I should say I'm not a lawyer, but in, in among ordinary people, in organizations, in church groups, um, in all kinds of community groupings, I'm constantly dealing with people who are incredibly pained, hurt, um, demoralized, dehumanized by hate speech. And I think, you know, we, we are running the risk here in this conversation of kind of trivializing it. Mm. I'm a white person, so I've never been the victim of a hate, of hate speech myself. But I can tell you that when I speak to black colleagues and black friends, almost all of them suffer the indignity of racism daily. And hate speech is very much part of that. And we failed dismally in South Africa to deal with hate crimes and hate speech. Um, you know, if you look at all the cases that have come, you know, into social media prominence before the courts and so mm -hmm. on, people mm -hmm. saying, oh, well, maybe they should do community service, etc., etc. I think it's well nigh time that we had a hate speech bill and that people that use hate speech and particularly people that are guilty of hate crimes are sentenced to jail, whether it be two years, four years, eight years, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. But I think, you know, let's get the definition sorted and let's get this bill passed. It's far too long already. Mm. Terry, I want to learn perhaps from your experience and how you have navigated the matters that you, you deal with, whether in corporate South Africa, whether in schools, around this question of, of hatred. How, how do you deal with somebody who says, this has been said to me and it is hate speech as far as I'm concerned? but then have the other person saying, well, I don't hate you. I said that because I was simply expressing my view on this matter. What are some of the tools that you use to help you then define what that hate looks like that you can confidently call it hate speech? You know, I think it's intense. It's emotional mm. and it's extremely painful to the individual. And I think that in a corporate setting or, or even in a church setting, um, one needs to be at pains to get the person who is on the recipient, if I can put it like that, to explain why it's so painful. And that involves digging into our very uncomfortable apartheid past, um, which very often white members of such groups would much prefer not to talk about. Oh, are you still talking about apartheid 30 years later? But the kind of pain using a K word against a black person or the N word even mm. um, is really, and Kathy, you would know, I'm sure Professor Ntuli would know, is very, very intense. It's not something light. 
And so when you hear excuses like, oh, I was just joking, I didn't mean it like that, you know, I, I think we as white people don't understand the pain that it causes. Mm. And I do think, Kathy, that we, we need to have a very, very, we need this hate crimes and hate speech bill yesterday. And, you know, we can put it off by getting more and more hundreds and tens of thousands of signatures, etc. Mm. And, you know, deliberating endlessly on, you know, how shall we define hatred? I mean, it's an intense negative emotional response, full stop. Um, let's get the, the, these tiny things sorted out. But please, let's get a hate speech and a hate crimes bill into law. All right. We're going to continue this conversation in a moment. I'll also be taking uh, your contributions. It's just after uh, 10.30. Time for the latest headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're looking at some of the more contentious aspects around the hate speech and hate, uh, the hate crimes rather than hate speech bill. And as you would have heard, focusing mostly on the hate speech element of it, because that really is what has drawn a lot of public scrutiny. And we've heard already some of the views expressed by our guests. Terry, I want to pick up with you on on this issue of um people not reflecting on what is causing them to say what they are saying. And there was a view, again, in some of the debates in Parliament expressed that the hate speech aspect of this bill and how it has been constructed does not deal with the root cause of hate speech and therefore would be ineffective in actually bringing an end to hate speech? You know, I think that it's a very, clearly a very complex area. Mm. Um, but I think that, you know, we could have a glossary, a glossary of hate terms, can you imagine? Um, and I think that that in itself will not put an end to hate speech, Cathy. I think as South Africans, we need to engage more with each other and understand why something goes beyond just an insult and, and delves into the painful past a person or their parents or their grandparents um, may have been part of. Um, and and if, we ignore, if we ignore that, then, you know, just having definitions or having a glossary of hate terms is not going to end hate speech. I think it, it really calls for us to really, you know, get together and have these discussions more often. Um, I think it's not happening. I think as South Africans, we tend to think, oh, well, you know, we've got social cohesion down, tick. And we're so far from that, Kathy. And hate speech and even more hate crimes add to it. So I'd really like to hear from, from Michael, Michael um, you know, how he feels people are affected by hate speech, um, not necessarily the 70,000 who marched with their petitions, but how other South Africans may be affected by hearing hate speech. Mm. All right, Michael. No, well, thank you. I mean, I, I definitely agree with with, with Terry that um, we need more speech, not less. And I think that is 
what actually undergirds people's opposition uh, to hate speech becoming criminalized. And I think the other thing that she's pointed out quite well and eloquently is the fact that, unfortunately, the existing laws that we have in this country that combat the very hate speech that she's talking about are not being adequately enforced. You know, we have an Equality Act, otherwise known as PAPUDA, which has a definition of hate speech and which has been used very effectively to shut down the type of speech that she's talking about. And it's not just a question of a slap on the wrist or community service. You can have a, literally a, 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 a massive fine, millions of rands worth of fine. You can uh, obviously have to make apologies and that type of thing as well. And then we also have a common law crime of criminenuria, uh, which again was used very effectively against racist speech, the very type of speech that she's speaking about. And you might recall the two cases of uh, uh, Penny Sparrow and Vicky Momberg, who made uh, very uh, detestable racist remarks, and they were criminalized under the existing law. But what we're talking about here in the uh, hate speech part of the hate speech bill is definitions of hate speech that go far wider than the Constitution and far wider than even the Equality Act, which means that it's actually going to be easier under the definitions in this hate speech bill, which criminalizes it, to be sent to jail than it will be to make, to make an apology. And let, let me give you just 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 a quick a quick example. You know, one of the things that uh, this bill basically defines as hate speech is calls it harmful speech that incites harm, and harm is emotional, includes emotional harm uh, that promotes hatred. Well, we've talked about that; that's undefined against groups of people, which is obviously far wider than the Constitution gives or even uh, the Equality Act gives. What is emotional harm exactly? Is it something which uh, you know, it's, it says substantial emotional harm, but is that something which really upsets, really offends you, really uh, you know, distresses you? And, and don't forget, that is very subjective because what might be very distressing to one person is not distressing to another. And once you have removed the objectivity from the definition, then it really is going to be entirely dependent on, on who is the victim and who's the judge. And bear in mind, we're talking about a massive jail sentence. I mean, sitting in jail for eight years, think of what you were doing in 2015 and to this present day and everything that happened in between. That's a period of eight years and simply for something that you express. So th this is a very serious issue. It so, really so, is in yeah. a sense. So, Sorry, go. So, so, so Michael, so, so if I understand you correctly, you are not opposed to the criminalization of hate speech beyond what the Equality Act does, as you've explained, where people get fines, they'll do community services. You are more concerned around how then a magistrate would arrive at the position of um, convicting somebody of, of hate speech. Precisely, because the broader the definition of hate speech and the more vague it is, the more people will effectively be caught in that net of hate speech, which again, in this instance, will not be a civil situation whereby you can be fined or made to make an apology or public or community service or what have you. It will literally put you in jail. And of course, when people know that they could particularly go in, go to jail for something that they have expressed or said, mm -hmm. and bear in mind, by the way, under this law, you don't have to have even a, a victim. There doesn't have to be a direct causal effect. You know, hate speech is already illegal. It's illegal under Papuda and it's criminalized under Krivininuria. But the, the wider the definition of hate speech 
the more you are going to self-censor. In other words, you're not going to say something. You wouldn't dare say something, perhaps, which you might be perfectly entitled to say. And you're not also in this country, by the way, prohibitive from saying things that are offensive. If you think about it, we have laws that protect free speech because speech inevitably is going to offend somebody. And that's one of the most important principles of democracy. We have opposing viewpoints. We come together, we debate, we contest with one another, uh, and then we come up with a solution. Mm. If you shut down speech and the measure to which you shut down speech, you are shutting down a fundamental principle of democracy. And it literally is a return to the dark days of censorship under apartheid if this type of legislation comes into force. Professor Ntuli, when we look at one of the reasons why the, uh, the this bill was was considered, you know, why it's even on the table in the first place, it's that by and large there is a sense that there are people who can say whatever they want in this country regardless of how hateful it is and get away with it. And this is a means of, this is a response to that. But it sounds to me that the matters around freedom of expression and what we see and understand as freedom of expression and the line to which it then crosses to become hate speech is something that we have not fully understood or even explored. Yeah, you know, the way in which, uh, you know, people are socialized, what they are taught at school, what they are taught within their own family, it gets embedded in in them. The the biggest problem we are facing is that we were a very unique country in the world uh, where the laws were based particularly on race. We would have learned then that immediately after we got our you know, independence, uh, so-called, uh, you know, to, to, to come with an apartheid institute that is going to discuss these issues, like we did with the Truth and Reconciliation, which we also, which we also, uh, you know, abandoned. And if these were actually taken, then it would be that these people are still seething, you know, under apartheid. And I just remember just now what Terry was saying about the, uh, the K-word. Working with my father was about seven when I was pushed off the thing and they used a K word, you know, in on him. That really stuck in me because that K word was not just a word, it was more than a speech. It was a philosophy, it was an indictment. So we are then in a position in which we have got to think about what we need, you know, to do beyond actually, you know, this, uh, you know, bill because, you know, hatred and resentment. You know, still, you know, kind of see this. It cannot just simply by getting a constitution written down with the no, you know, banners. We abandoned the question of uh, uh, reconstruction and development, which could have said, what are we reconstructing? We would reconstruct our race relations. Uh, if, you know, also social cohesion is not actually uh, being, you know, placed in that way. I know the advocates who get in there, who, when they are doing these things, you know, get also. Uh, you know, attacked by what you could call, you could call, you know, hate speech. So we are in a very intractable position, and then we really need to edge in our government and civil societies. And it's also disappointing how even universities, you know, themselves who should be actually involved in some of these things, uh, are not. So we are living uh, in a country that is full of hatred, 
that is full of intolerance, that is full of so many words that uh, uh, you know destabilizes the sensibility of any uh, uh, peace-loving you know human being. Uh, Terry, you, you, earlier you, you spoke to the to, to hatred being an intense emotional and and hurtful experience. And when we look at some of the things exchanges that previously people have made that we've identified as hate speech, often those are also nuanced. So it's not just what you say, but it is also how it is said that conveys a particular meaning. Does that make it hard to capture the essence of what a bill like this is supposed to do? At least again, in, in the definitions that are contained in the bill. Now, I'm sure this is getting increasingly complex. But I think what really matters is not how it's how it's said, well that how it's said, but how it's received. Mm. In other words, it's not the sender, yeah. but it's the impact that it has on the victim that is the most important thing. Mm. Mm. And um I would also like to say that, you know, it's not I think race is the key thing. And I, I really like what Professor Ntubi said, that we need to reconstruct our race relations. And I don't know when we're ever going to finish doing that. But I'm thinking also about the LGBTIQ plus community. And I guess also because of the untimely passing of dear Eusebius Makaiser yesterday, um, they would be another grouping which which um, finds itself so often the victim of hate crimes and hate speech. And one thinks of you know lesbians who are raped as so-called corrective rape. Mm. Um, so you know while race is paramount in South Africa, and I guess it must be and will be. There are other groupings, religious groupings um, as well, that, that find themselves the victims um, of hate crimes and also of hate speech. I want to go to Cape Town. Judy, good morning. Yes, I never swear at people because I believe we're all one in Christ Jesus. But I was accused of hate speech at the municipal office in Plumstead, uh, 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 an inquiry, and the worker there attacked me a number of times. We got into a conversation, and he said I called him boy, B-O-Y, three Mm. times. In the end, I screamed out to the whole room full of hundreds of people that I don't even call my own son boy, so why should I call him boy? And I hadn't called him boy. But I want to talk about the K word as well, because it is an um, Arab word, and it means an unbeliever in Allah. So I just want to say I'm a white kappa. Okay. Well, can and, I just and, say and, that, sorry, frankly, we all know that the K word has far more I mean, it's all very well giving us a dictionary definition, but that does not come down to what it meant and means within the context of South Africa, where we're living in such a racially conflicted state after all these years. And even the word boy and the word girl, except that the woman didn't say it, they're said frequently. I see on social media, somebody mentioned a couple of days ago that she'd called a person at a till a girl. And this was a woman, a grown-up woman. These terms are hurtful. These terms are painful. And I'm afraid we as white South Africans need to understand that and move away from saying them.
I, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Terry. And in many ways, I think Judy, in, in trying to explain, you know, how she believes she was wrongfully accused, even her use of the K word mm -hmm. shows a fundamental misunderstanding of why a word like that would trigger so much emotion in South Africa. And if she can say it so freely and, and publicly um, on, on this platform, what more yeah. for when she's at home, you know? And, and it doesn't matter what we tell ourselves. The reality is those words, boy, girl, the K word, it means something when it is used in a context of this country. And I suppose, again, it comes down to that question around, do we understand what the limitations around freedom of speech are? Because Judy could well believe that by saying what she said, she's exercising her freedom of speech. Professor Ntuli? Yeah, yeah, you know, you know that, that yeah, that, that's where the, the biggest uh, you know problem is. Is that when you see you know somebody like Judy, there are many you know kind of Judys uh, uh, around that are very uh, you know unclear and confused about some of the uh, particular uh, you know matters you know that uh, I mean that they are using. Uh, like I said earlier on, that one single word could be more than just uh, hate speech, but it triggers a lot of tributaries of. Uh, resentments and, uh, and hate. And I also like the person was saying, I think Chair was saying that we need to uh, uh, stop using some of these uh, uh, words. And uh, for uh, calling somebody say, uh, uh, a boy, you know? I remember the song that was in, uh, what was the song? As long as you've never been circumcised, you are a boy, go to the mountain and be a man. The way that has been used there, you know, as a boy, that you have got to be, you know, something more than what you really are. So we need really to rethink again, I would repeat. Yeah, ab absolutely. You're less than human, you know, that you, you, you mm. and I imagine in a corporate environment, in an office environment, um, when you use the word boy, it, it's relegating somebody to a position outside of what they're occupying uh, in, at that particular point, too. You're but, judging their mental, you're judging their mental, their emotional uh, responses because they are less men. Yes, yes, absolutely. Kwezi, yeah. you're calling us from Cape Town. Good morning. Morning, Siskat. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Kwezi. I'm fine. Um, I'm so it's fine. Uh, I'd like to fully agree with um, Michael. The problem with the bill is the definition. Mm. Um, you need to define clearly what is constitute hate speech. Otherwise, you're opening the doors for anybody to feel offended. Unfortunately, we do have freedom of expression. Unfortunately, we do have freedom of expression. And there are certain words, certain terms that I might use innocently, but somebody might feel offended. Now, it's not fair now for me now to be subject to the criminal justice system, uh, whereas I was just completely innocent. I'll make an example of the term um, around, stop mucking around. 
So, Kwezi, I'm not yeah. hearing you uh, clearly. You, you'll make an example of the term what? Stop monkeying around. Or stop monkeying around, okay? Yes, yes, yes. That's a completely innocent term that is used by a lot of people. But now if somebody now turn around and feel offended, I, I, I might just turn around now and be subjected to the criminal justice system and be subject to prison time over an innocent little term like that. So but but Kwezi, yeah. you know what, I, I think what, what Terry said earlier is important, that it's not so much about what somebody says, yes, that is important, but over and above that, it's how what you have said has made somebody feel. That is why I disagree. Okay. Yes, because as I, as I, was, as I was saying, um, it's easy for somebody to feel offended whereas no offense was meant that is a problem with us though it allows people to uh, uh, criminalize somebody whereas that person meant no offense now obvious examples like the k-word the k-word will always be offensive but that's not the problem the problem is in the small little ones um, or, or situations whereas it's not clearly defined what exactly is hate speech Mm-hmm. I don't want to ask to focus on the, on the obvious example. Okay, okay. Like, like, like on this issue of boy as well. I, I see a, it's not just white people that use the term, it's a lot of black people that use the term um, when they refer to people from other races and or other tribes. And it's, uh, you know, so that's a problem that's not properly defined. I fully agree right. with what Michael is saying. Okay, Kwezi, let's leave it there. Bongani in Jeffreys Bay, good morning. Hello, Bongani. Hello. Hi. Can I get in? Yes. Hello, Bongani. All right, we're having an issue with that line. I'm going to go straight to Sydney in Pretoria. Sydney, good morning. I fully agree with, good morning. I fully agree with uh, the sentiment here, and I am now going to turn myself into a receiver. The K word, the N word, you get your eight, you get your eight year jail term. But the next time somebody calls me a boor or a burki or a settler, I want the same justice to be applied that he said to me. And I look forward to somebody calling me a domboer or a boor again or a settler. I'll see you in court. Uh, wait, wait, Sydney, don't, don't hang up. Are you still on the line? I am. Okay. So, so when, when somebody refers to you as um, a burki, as you've said, do you yep. find that offensive? I find it ex- exceptionally offensive mm-hmm. because it has the same connotation as the K word. Settler has the same hatred connotation as the K word or the N word. So all I'm saying is let's use one brush to brush all of us that feel so offended mm-hmm. and we all get this eight year thing. No problem. You call me, an, and I'm waiting for something. Call me a burki again. I'm waiting for it. Yeah. D- 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 don't hang up, um, Sydney. Terry, l- l- let me bring you in here because I think Sydney is bringing something else now to the conversation, a different perspective. So I just wanted to say to Sydney that the words he's just used, that he, he would like to be called so that he could, uh, somebody could be sent to jail, are in fact, at the moment, defined as hate speech. It's not just the K word. There's a whole. There are there are various words that are listed that are regarded as hate as hate speech. 
and the two words that he just used are examples of those. So it's not just a one-way street, Cathy. I'm pleased to hear that. Uh, for many, many years when I was a youngster, Afrikaners called me a Roynek. I, mm -hmm. I wish that law had been applied then and the amount of times I was called a Roynek. Or you called an Afrikaner a hairyback. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. I love this law. It's about time that we, next time an Englishman calls an Afrikaner a hairyback, he must go to jail. And if he calls me a Roynek, he must go to jail. Or sure. a settler, or a mm -hmm. boor. I like it. Good All right. Stuff. Okay, Sydney. Yeah, look, there's so much else. Can that, I, can that, I, that, yes, can, yes, come in, come, come, come in, Michael. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that this debate has actually perhaps highlighted one of the most serious flaws in this whole bill, which is that if you have a definition of hate speech, which means that if you call me a name, uh, and I understand and absolutely correct the, the K word, for example, Penny Momberg, Vicky Sparrow, both use that, both were jailed, uh, by the way, or given jail sentences um, for the use of that word. But the, uh, for example, you mentioned, uh, uh, Terry, that you know the, the Boer is, is hate speech. Actually, no, um, the Equality Court ruled in 2011 uh, and ruled that it was, but then in 2022, they ruled that kill the Boer, you know, kill the farmer, that was not hate speech. We have very subjective definitions and other issues of hate speech, for example, um, you know, lecturer Benny Morota from the University of South Africa called white South Africans cockroaches. Um, Julius Manella's famous assertion, we're not calling for the slaughter of white people, at least not now, uh, also arguably uh, was, was, was said to not to be uh, an incitement of imminent violence and therefore hate speech. So this is where we run into problems. When we define hate speech broadly, then the net in which hate speech is caught becomes so wide that you're literally concerned about anything that you might say. That's why we have to defend it narrowly, because without a narrow definition of hate speech, which allows speech, which is, you know, let's say robust, let's say it can be offensive. We're not talking about vilification. We're not talking about detestation. We're not talking about incitement to do harm. Mm -hmm. That's always been hate speech. That's what the Constitutional Court said. But if you bring it down to emotional harm like i'm offended because you call me a name and now i can put you in jail for eight years we've literally rung the death knell of democracy at that point right. and i think that therefore this bill is egregiously broad and it must be revisited and the definitions must be clearly defined or we're going to be living in a world which frankly we will not want to live in crispin you're going to be our final caller for the morning if you can keep it brief for me please yeah, greetings, everyone. Look, I think the reason it feels confusing at all is simply we have had so little true discussion in the society on these issues because actually we do need that notion that it needs to be more clearly defined and we can't do it only through legislation. So I, what I challenge is this idea of objectivity. If objectivity means that it's not based on, on, uh, on empathy, uh, we need empathy for people who are very different to us. And if we were listening carefully to people who are different, I think some of these things would actually become much clearer and much easier to frame this legislation. But I think we need some specific examples. The other day I saw a video. There was a white pastor preaching at Kwasi as a Bantu um, in uh, Mapumulo. 
And he was talking to, he said, I'm talking to the girls here. He's talking to black girls. Um, and his speech dripped with hatred and contempt for girls in particular. And I wonder if he would have been allowed to say that sort of thing if it was a white church, but I think there's an element of racism in it as well. And, you know, for example, saying, you're a, you're a child, you're a nothing. Now, that is a speech act that, in my view, does damage. It does actual damage to people. It does damage to their self-esteem. And it serves to legitimate people who then use violence of different kinds against children. All right. All right. So, Crispin, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to interject there. It is 11 o'clock. I have to go to the latest news. I think what we'll do is that we'll give a chance to our guests that are able uh, to still join us after news an opportunity just to wrap up and, and to close this conversation off. It's just after 11 o'clock. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point seven after 11 o'clock. We're going to wrap up the conversation from the previous hour looking at hate speech. Terry, let me begin with you. I certainly get the sense based on what is said, has been said even by our callers that um, having this legislative framework is one measure of curbing hate speech, but a lot more of the work needs to be done. Um, within communities, conversations with South Africans. And I think not just on the hate that we see based on our collective experiences, but also just what comes down to some of the relations between, you know, whether it's Afrikaans, English people. Our voice notes are talking about some of the tribalism that also comes into play. And and and, our, and some of our hatred towards foreigners, um, one sees very particular words and expressions that have been developed towards them, which could be regarded, I suppose, in fact, I believe, as hate speech. But, but Kathy, I think at the end of the day, you're right. And I mean, we, if I think we need a hate speech and hate crimes bill. We need it. And whether that means, and having listened to Michael's argument, for example, we do need to look carefully at the definitions. But I don't think that means that we should wait for another 30 years before we actually put something in place. I think the issue of empathy was very important. And when we consider whether something was hate speech or not, we need to consider the context um, in which it was said and the impact that it may have had on the person. A glossary, for example, may not contain the word girl, but a person who is called uh, a black person who is called a girl by a white person may definitely feel that she is the subject of hate speech. So I think it's a, a very, very complex problem. Um, and as I said earlier, not just in terms of race, but in terms of queer people and inter even in terms of gender and definitely um, in terms of racial justice. So the context is very important, yeah. and we need perhaps to look at the um, at the definitions. All right. But I do think jail terms are, are necessary, Kathy. Mm -hmm. All right, Terry, thanks for that contribution. Professor Ntuli, very briefly for me, please. Uh, very briefly. Uh, uh, Terry, what I'm going to say to you is not hate speech. 
you, you stole my, con- uh, my conclusion by bringing up the question of context. <laughs> so the question of context and intentionality uh, are very, very, very important. Uh, in, in this. That's all I would like to say. All right. Thanks for that, Professor Antulli. Mark. Yes, yes, Prof. Thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, Michael? Well, I think it's important to note that we already have a, a criminal action which criminalizes hate speech in the form of criminaluria. And as I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Penny Sparrow received uh, a two year uh, imprisonment sentence. Um, and Vicky Momberg, a three-year imprisonment sentence. So the question is, why do we need this additional law, which is very vague, very open-ended, and potentially will criminalise and send people to jail for substantial lengths of time? I mean, eight years is a very, very long time to be sent to jail, simply for something that they express when you don't even know whether or not what you're saying will actually put you in that position. So this is a very poor law. It's regressive. It's censorship. And it really is back to dark days. And right. we cannot afford this in our new democracy in South Africa. Oh, okay, Michael, let's leave it there. Look, towards the end there, Michael, I think you're actually introducing, you know, a different aspect of the debate. Uh, I thought that there was consensus around the fact that we needed um, this hate speech and hate crimes bill. But the question really had been around what are the definitions and can we get it to be a lot more clearer than what it is now? in terms of understanding then what constitutes um, hate speech and hatred, I think more broadly. Intention, important. Context, important. But again, how has it made somebody feel? And Crispin talking about the element of empathy, putting yourself in somebody's position and understanding why they would perhaps have felt the way that they did in a particular moment. Yeah, so much uh, coming out of that previous hour. And you know what? You certainly learn a lot every single day on this platform. Uh, Thank you to all of the listeners that have called in and gave uh, their contributions too.